American Radio. If they want to take my guns, they're going to have to bring a station wagon and a whole lot of friends because I'm not giving them anything. From the Car Firearms Group Studio. On the Sig Sauer Platinum Microphone. Mark, we know they want to take our guns, and now we're going to make them eat it. Freedom might be an uphill battle sometimes, but freedom will always prevail. Proudly presented to you by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. Here is your host of Armed American Radio, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting for your rights, Mark Walters. Walters. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast begins right now in these car. Firearms Group Studios. I am Mark Walters on this one Sig Sauer microphone. All of it presented to you today by X Insurance and all of our great partners. You can find them all at armedamericanradio.com. What a year it's been. And let me start by saying Happy New Year. It is New Year's Day. And we are going to talk in this hour with Mr. Alan Gottlieb, the founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. I'm going to welcome Alan right now, and we're going to get started right out of the box on New Year's Day. Alan Gottlieb, welcome in. Happy New Year, my friend. You ready? Happy New Year to you, too. It's a great way to start the year, and Happy New Year to all your listeners. Well, I'll tell you what. It's been a crazy year, has it not? And and what I want to do, Alan, just uh, listeners so you understand what we're going to do here today. I am going to interview Alan. We're going to discuss with Mr. Gottlieb what we believe to be the biggest stories of 2022 for obvious reasons. And I think you'll agree with me, uh, Alan, that I, I'm, I'm going to throw out there and hope that you agree with me in this case, that it is going to be the Bruin decision in New York vacating their 100-year-old law, having to show good cause, if you will, to get a, a concealed carry permit in the state of New York. And then I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench in there and suggest that maybe, maybe, possibly there's even a bigger story in the year after we get going. Are you ready? Is that a fair assessment? Can we both agree that we think Bruin is probably the biggest decision or the biggest, I should say, story of 2022? Well, when it comes to gun rights, there's no doubt, Mark, I agree with you, that the United States Supreme Court ruling in the Bruin decision against New York State's ridiculous regulations and laws on being able to carry firearms concealed for self-protection was by far not only the biggest story of the year, but of many years. I, I, I agree. And well, let's start with this for the benefit of listeners. What I'm going to do is go through, Alan, I'm going to read a couple paragraphs of the Bruin decision just from the first page of the Supreme Court decision that was announced, ladies and gentlemen, on June 23rd of 2022. And then here's where it's going to get interesting. In the next hour of the broadcast, Mr. Gottlieb, of course, joined me on the 26th of June, which was the first Sunday subsequent to the release of that huge decision on June 23rd. And I spoke with Mr. Gottlieb about the decision in real time three days after the decision. So what we're going to do is talk about it here. And then I'm going to go back in the second hour ladies and gentlemen, and play that hour over. And I didn't go back, Alan, and listen to it. I'm going to listen to it with listeners here today on Armed American Radio, and we're going to be able to juxtapose this hour over that hour, and I think that will be fascinating. So let me start with this. The New York's, the state of New York makes it a crime to possess a firearm without a license, whether inside or outside the home. An individual who wants to carry a firearm outside his home may obtain an unrestricted license to have and carry a concealed pistol or 
revolver if he can prove that proper cause exists for doing so. Petitioners Brandon Cook and Robert Nash are adult law-abiding New York residents who both applied for unrestricted licenses to carry a handgun in public based on their generalized interest in self-defense. The state denied both of their applications for unrestricted licenses, allegedly because Cook and Nash failed to satisfy the proper cause requirements. And then it goes on to mention that petitioners sued, etc. And here is some of the operative words of this second page. Held, New York's proper cause requirement violates the 14th Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms in public for self-defense. Alan, let's start there. Well, I think that pretty well sums up what the court said. And, of course, New York's regulations made it next to impossible to be able to get a permit to carry a firearm concealed for your self-protection and and took it down. Uh, There's no doubt that the Supreme Court, you know, ruled properly. And uh, the important part of that decision, which I guess you haven't really read, was prior to that, there was this two-step approach test to if a gun law was unconstitutional or not. Uh, and the Supreme Court basically said, no, that, that's a made-up theory on, on how to interpret the law. Uh, what we really need to look at is the, is the text, the actual text, and the history uh, of what that regulation is. It's from the time in 1791 when the uh, Bill of Rights was written. Uh, and that's the more important thing because that actually then opened up the floodgates for more litigation challenging laws that either were held to be constitutional by lower courts before or ones that are currently in progress or that were already filed. And there are a whole lot that the Second Amendment Foundation, for example, has filed knowing and feeling we were going to win the Bruin decision that we wanted to put in the pipeline, as well as laws that weren't challenged yet because if you can win, but under the new guidelines for how laws get interpreted, uh, you know, they, they, they now became ripe. And so we were very, very excited about what it opened up. And that's probably one of the reasons why it was such a key, important decision and news story for gun rights for the year. Agreed. Let's go into that two-step process. Can you explain for listeners what, and we're going to build on this throughout this hour, ladies and gentlemen, all of this will build. You, you just follow us with this. Hold our hands and walk with us on this one. Alan, let's talk first about that two-step process. You and I have talked about strict scrutiny, intermediate scrutiny, et cetera. And we talked about it. The day, the, the Sunday after the decision was rendered by the Supreme Court as well. We'll replay that hour and compare against it now that we have several months behind us from the decision since its release. But let's talk about that two-step process. What was the process prior to the Bruin decision? What did the court have to look at in a Second Amendment case? Well, it was sort of some type of balancing test for uh how the law was applied. So the first step was how close to the core of the uh, Heller and McDonald previous Supreme Court decisions were for the core of the right, which basically the core was felt to be, or, you know, that uh, your gun, you had a right to have a firearm in your own home for self-protection. And that's only because the court dealt with a case about a gun in your own home. It didn't really limit it to that. But lower courts decided to limit it to that. So the first part was, is, you know, how close to the core right is it? The further away from the core right it is, the lower the courts felt that the uh, level of scrutiny needed to apply, which was the second step. So we had different kinds of steps and approaches from a rational basis that, hey, the government has a rational basis to be able to, uh, you know, uh, put a law in place uh, infringing on your Second Amendment rights because they feel there's a need. 
Uh, and then you know, a step up higher would be, I think, closer to the core right, would have been intermediate scrutiny, uh, which shift a little bit more burden, uh, you know, uh, on the government to be able to uh, prove their case, but still basically leaving most of the burden on you, the plaintiff, to defend your your rights that are being taken away from you. And then strict scrutiny would go to the, you know, how close to the core of the right it was. If it dealt with a gun in your own home, as an example, that was the core right. And the courts weren't going to, you know, uh, say that those laws were constitutional. That gave lower court judges a significant amount of latitude to be able to make interpretation about, you know, uh, how much public interest there is for the government. Like, i.e., if a gun is used in crime, well, the government has a right to regulate it. Uh, of course, most guns aren't used in crime, but just because some are, the lower courts are saying, well, then the government has a right to regulate. And so even though the Second Amendment says, you know, your rights shall not be infringed, it didn't matter. The change is, is that now the text matters. So you know, the right to keep your arms in the text of the amendment means something. And the court added meaning to it, so the lower courts couldn't thumb their nose at it, supposedly. Supposedly. That's, that's a key word, supposedly. Let me, let me go back, ladies and gentlemen, to 2008, the Heller decision. That case dealt, Alan, with Dick Heller's, as you mentioned, his right to keep a gun in the home for self-defense. Some people think Scalia didn't go far enough in his decision. I would argue that while I would have liked him to go farther in his decision, the case itself kept him from going further because he was not literally an activist from the bench, but he held the ruling to what the case was about. And we shouldn't, I wanted it to go farther, but I understand why he didn't. Did Scalia go far enough in Heller? Is that why we had to go through McDonald and then subsequently the Bruin case? Well, not 100% exactly. Uh, let, let me say that he dealt with the issue. He didn't want to make a wider opinion than that dealt with the case itself. He overturned the Washington State law that said you couldn't have a functional firearm in your own home for self-defense, which is what the case was you know, sort of about. But Scalia didn't limit it to saying that, that you know the right didn't exist outside your home. Uh, and so lower court judges who didn't support Second Amendment rights would say, well, since he didn't say one way or the other, per se, it, only, it was about a gun in your own home, we're going we're gonna to limit it to that's the core right. And then the further you step away from it, the less rights you have, so to speak. Um, I can't say Sclay didn't go far enough. Uh, he went as far as he had to go in the opinion, and you have to realize that it isn't just up to Scalia. You need five votes in the Supreme Court, and it could have been the fifth vote didn't want to go any further than that, so he didn't have much of a choice. We'll never know that. Uh, but the case was a big victory for gun rights and opened the door uh, to some litigation. Now, the day now, that... Let me, let me stop you right there, Alan. Uh, that's a great place to stop. We're getting ready to take a break. When we come back, we're going to jump right back in with Heller, with Mr. Alan Gottlieb. We'll be right back. Sig Sauer is the manufacturer of the game-changing P365 high-capacity micro-compact. This revolutionary new concealed carry pistol gives you more capacity, concealability, and capability. The award-winning Sig Sauer P365 redefines the category and has become the most desired handgun on the market today. Holding up to 17 plus 1 rounds, its ergonomic design makes it more shootable with a clean, crisp trigger pull you'd expect from Sig Sauer. The Sig P365, America's number one selling handgun for a reason. Visit SigSauer.com. 
It's well known that we live in a world where even good police officers can become targets for frivolous lawsuits. At X Insurance, we provide liability insurance for police officers to eliminate your exposure and to protect you. We're the very best at what we do, and we've been doing it for more than 40 years. We offer same-day quotes and solutions, so call us today or have your insurance agent call us. But call today, and let's get that target off your back. For more information, visit xinsurance.com. That's xinsurance.com. America was founded through the blood of hard-fighting, hard-drinking men. Men who believed in freedom and whiskey, who laid down their lives and their fortunes, forging the bedrock of this republic, and in doing so created a new species of man, the American. Lead Slinger's Whiskey was founded by seven combat veterans who were tired of people afraid to support the Second Amendment. Together, they brought their love of American bourbon whiskey to freedom-loving, like-minded Americans. For more information and to read the story of Lead Slinger's Whiskeys and Rum, visit LeadSlingersWhiskey.com today. Defender Coffee was created by patriots for patriots. It's coffee for Americans devoted to defending the Second Amendment. It's coffee for Americans who understand that if you don't fight for your freedom, you lose it. That's why Defender Coffee donates profits to gun rights organizations that fight to defend the Second Amendment. When you drink Defender Coffee, every single cup defends your right to keep and bear arms. Visit DefenderCoffee.com today and get free shipping when you join the coffee club. DefenderCoffee.com. The revolutionary Crossbreed Super Tuck holster is the most comfortable and concealable inside the waistband holster you'll ever wear. And nothing even comes close. Designed to completely conceal a firearm of any size and made to be worn with any attire from shorts and a t-shirt to a suit and a tie. Based on your personal carry style, the Super Tuck may be worn comfortably with or without your shirt tucked in. Find out why the Crossbreed Super Tuck is the most often imitated but never duplicated holster design in the world. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com today. Protecting loved ones and neighbors is a high calling. Over the last few years, men and women of all walks of life have chosen to exercise their Second Amendment right as first-time gun owners. Through education and training, families and communities are empowered to protect themselves and those around them. Daniel Defense advocates for the individual's right to bear arms, which is why they manufacture 100% American-made, high-quality firearms backed with a lifetime warranty. To learn more, visit DanielDefense.com. The Second Amendment Foundation has grown into what many believe to be the most important gun rights organization in America. With hundreds of thousands of active members, it is the Second Amendment Foundation defending your rights in courtrooms across the nation. Winning these battles in local jurisdictions all the way to the Supreme Court requires tireless effort and help from you. Please help the Second Amendment Foundation defend your freedoms by joining or donating today at saf.org. Join us at saf.org. Thank you. The North American Arms 32 NAA Guardian Pistol, designed in partnership with Convoy Ammunition. The 32 NAA fires a cartridge based on the 380 case, but necked down to hold the smaller 32 bullet. The result is a remarkable gain in ballistic performance that produces more velocity, energy, and stopping power than any conventional 32 ACP, 380 ACP, or 380 ACP plus P. The 32 NAA from North American Arms. For more information, please visit NorthAmericanArms.com. That's NorthAmericanArms.com. Hey, guys.
guys, this hour of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Daniel Defense. In its entirety, makers of the best AR, M4 platform rifles and AR pistols on Earth. Visit DanielDefense.com for more info. Welcome back to the show. Armed American Radio's MonsterCast continues. Segment 2 with Mr. Gottlieb. Happy New Year. This is the New Year's Day show. We're talking with Alan Gottlieb about arguably the biggest case uh, of the year. The biggest the biggest story, I should say, which is the brewing case in New York. Alan and I are in agreement with that. Now, I'm going to play a little, little bit of devil's advocate a couple segments in the next two, two uh, segment three and segment four, and you'll understand why when we get there, because there is more to this. There are spider legs here that we're going to talk about. Alan, you were talking about Heller, and I apologize we had to cut you off for the break. Let's go back to Heller, and if you would, finish your thoughts about Scalia's decision. Well, you referenced in your question to me that, you know, did, did it not go far enough and is that all we had to have McDonald and then Bruin? Well, so let me start with McDonald. The day that the Heller decision came down, the Second Amendment Nation filed the McDonald versus Chicago suit. It had nothing to do directly with Scalia's decision being, you know, not going far enough or going, you know, too far or whatever. What it dealt with was that at that time, the Second Amendment was never incorporated through the 14th Amendment, making it applicable to the states. Washington, D.C. is a federal enclave, and so it's sort of like the federal government, and so you could sue sue under the Second Amendment. But the Second Amendment was never incorporated to be used as part of the rights against the states. And so we had to follow the McDonald versus Chicago suit to urge the court not only to knock down the Chicago handgun ban, but in order to do so, to incorporate the Second Amendment through the 14th Amendment, making it applicable to all the states so that you could sue over all these various states and city gun laws. Uh, that were not part of the federal government, so to speak. Uh, so it didn't really have anything to do directly with the Scalia decision, but without the Scalia decision opening the door saying there was a Second Amendment right, we wouldn't have been able to then sue Chicago under under the McDonald case, uh, which, of course, we won, and that opened the floodgates and doors to allow us to ta- check, you know, challenge you know, all kinds of other gun laws all across the country. Um, so it was needed in order to do that, but didn't really have to do with what the decision, how far it went. It only had to do with the fact that Scalia's decision with the Supreme Court said the second amendment was, in fact, an individual right. What I'm hearing is that this is a natural progression. It, it seems to me, based on the cases that were laid out and the cases that the Supreme Court chose to take, this was the logical outcome that we were going to move from Heller which wiped out D.C.'s ban, if you will, on guns in the home. That was wiped out by Heller. McDonald, as you just mentioned, then incorporated the Second Amendment to the states through the 14th Amendment, which played very heavy, obviously, because we go right back to the hell where where uh, Thomas wrote, held New York's proper cause requirement violates the 14th Amendment. So these are building blocks and stepping stones to get to Bruin and Bruin now expanded what we I guess I would have liked to have seen Bruin come out of the Heller case back in 08. But that wasn't the case to do it. And we had to get to the Bruin case to get where we are today. So these three stepping stones have brought us here. Is it enough? Well, these stepping stones actually turned into cornerstones because they built the foundation to defend Second Amendment rights in the court. Uh, so they started out as stepping stones, but now they're simply, you know, definitely cornerstones uh, of our foundation for Second Amendment rights. Now, the Bruin decision, uh, of course, had to deal with the so-called issue of do you have the Second Amendment right? Does it pertain to you outside your own home? And, of course, basically the decision said yes uh, and that the New York law was unconstitutional. 
Uh, now, there's also a number of other states that mimic New York's law or came close to it. In some cases, were, were even more restrictive. Uh, roughly around eight or nine states that uh, you know had now have problems under the Bruin decision uh, that having other laws challenged. So that was you know definitely a cornerstone to attacking significant other rights. And opening up again, the biggest part of that decision where they went a step further was getting rid of the so-called two-part test we talked about. And, and now it's just the text and history you know, of, of the right to keep their arms in the United States. That was extremely important because that went open up you know, challenges to significant other laws that didn't just deal with the right to carry. So there were laws, ladies and gentlemen, it's important that you understand. There were laws out there, Alan, that we really couldn't have challenged or without Bruin. Now Bruin opened the door for us to go into some of these additional laws in other states around the country. Is that what I'm hearing correctly? To some extent, yes, but it also just gave us, uh, we already had in the pipeline a significant number of cases that we were challenging that it gave us, you know, more meat on our bones, so to speak, on our legal briefs to be able to, you know, have score victories. So, uh, the, the answer is like yes and no, uh, it, 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 partly yes and, and partly definitely, I guess. Uh, but that's opened the gates where there's now like 60 more lawsuits roughly filed since June. Uh, or I shouldn't say since June. They were either in the pipeline or filed since June when the decision came out that are now all in, you know being litigated very, very heavily. Uh, and so I think we're going to move into when we look at 2023, uh, you know, our, our new year, we're going to see a significant amount of action that's already been placed in the courts. And some of that action is because of the reaction that our opponents have had to the Bruin decision. Alan's reading my mind, ladies and gentlemen. He knows where I'm getting ready to go here. That's going to be the devil's advocate that I'm talking about. And I guess we'll go ahead. And before I get to that, let me state, let me state this first. Those 60 cases that you're talking about, would it have been possible to file them pre-Bruin? Well, let's say half of them were filed pre-Bruin. Uh, and, and because we expected to have the victory in Bruin, we were guessing ahead and wanted to move up the timeline on when these cases finally get decided. And the other ones that, that have been filed... Uh, uh, some of those were cases that we had lost pre, pre-Bruin and now come back and, and you know, uh, we have great grounds to bring them back again. And then, of course, we moved into the phase of the reaction the other side had in passing laws, new laws that under Bruin were challenging. Those, of course, were only made possible because of one, the Bruin decision, and two, the, react- the, the you know, totally ridiculous reaction from the other side. I'm going to guess that in some of those cases that might not have been filed post-Bruin, putting aside the ones that you anticipated the success in Bruin, but some of those other cases would likely have either not been filed, it had, had you know, pre-Bruin, I guess is the way to put it, but because of Bruin are now, those are the ones subsequent to the ruling, would we have had the same chance? I guess we would have had to have continued to battle those in the hopes of getting them to the Supreme Court anyway, correct? Well, yeah, but the Supreme Court is only going to take, you know, a few cases here and there. So you can't file, expect, you know, to file 30 right. cases and have the Supreme Court look at all 30 cases. It's just not going to happen. Because there's thousands that get appealed to the Supreme Court and, you know, they can only take a handful. Uh, so we were biding our time. We had a, a laundry list of cases we would like to bring. Uh, or have brought in the past that, that we didn't get the, re- the right decision from lower courts, that now all becoming ripe to bring. So that's where the Bruin case, I guess, put another cornerstone on, on our 
attack against the, you know, these anti-gun laws that are basically fundamentally infringing on our Second Amendment rights. And, and now we have three of these cases, these three cornerstones laid down as we get ready to go to this break, ladies and gentlemen. Um, my next question I'll telegraph for you is there going to be a fourth cornerstone and what would Mr. Gottlieb expect that to be? We'll go there before this hour is over when we begin talking about looking forward into 2023. But as we close out this segment, Alan, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you know in advance during the break. You can give it some thought, ladies and gentlemen, you as well. And that is going to be, could it possibly be, could I make the suggestion that while the Bruin decision is arguably the biggest Second Amendment story of the year, could it possibly be the reaction of the left to the Bruin decision? We'll be right back. America was founded through the blood of hard-fighting, hard-drinking men. Men who believe in freedom and whiskey. Who laid down their lives and their fortunes forging the bedrock of this republic and in doing so created a new species of man, the American. Lead Slinger's Whiskey was founded by seven combat veterans who were tired of people afraid to support the Second Amendment. Together, they brought their love of American bourbon whiskey to freedom-loving, like-minded Americans. For more information and to read the story of Lead Slinger's Whiskeys and Rum, visit LeadSlingersWhiskey.com today. The North American Arms 32 NAA Guardian Pistol, designed in partnership with Convoy Ammunition. The 32 NAA fires a cartridge based on the 380 case, but necked down to hold the smaller 32 bullet. The result is a remarkable gain in ballistic performance that produces more velocity, energy, and stopping power than any conventional 32 ACP, 380 ACP, or 380 ACP plus P. The 32 NAA from North American Arms. For more information, please visit NorthAmericanArms.com. That's NorthAmericanArms.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Slippers. They took me over two years to develop because I didn't want just an ordinary slipper. My Slippers are meant to be worn all day long, no matter what you're doing, whether you're inside or outside. My Slippers come with an exclusive three-tier cushioning system that you won't find in any other slipper. It combines two layers of foam, including my proprietary My Pillow foam and a patented impact gel made from U.S. soybeans. My three-tier cushioning system is going to help relieve pressure points, provide that micro support you need for all day comfort and help prevent fatigue. Not only that, my slippers are made with high quality leather and a premium indoor outdoor sole that make them extremely durable. I personally guarantee they're going to be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. Hey, it's Mark and you know Mike supports the right to keep and bear arms and we support Mike. Please visit MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials box and use promo code AAR for all of Mike's great discounts or call 800-978-9358 and remember use promo code AAR. It's the Bill of Rights, not the Bill of Needs. I'm Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. When someone says we don't need that kind of gun, remind them the Founding Fathers determined what rights our Constitution should protect. There's a world of difference between rights and needs. It is not the function of government to tell us what we need or what we don't. Certainly no one needs an assault rifle or a Saturday Night Special, or for that matter, no one needs a Corvette with a high-capacity horsepower engine capable of speeds to 150 miles per hour. But in the hands of honest, responsible individuals, we have the right of choice. We have the right to read books others don't like. We have the right to listen to any radio program we choose. We have the right to dress the way we want to. We also have the right to own firearms of our choice. So the next time someone tells you, you don't need something, tell them. It's the Bill of Rights, not the Bill of Needs. Join the Second Amendment Foundation today so that this message and our Bill of Rights might live. Call 
425-454-7012. That's 425-454-7012. If you or someone you care about has been thinking about getting their permit to carry a firearm, there's never been a better time than now. Even if you've had your permit to carry for years, keep in mind that gun laws change regularly and not knowing the current laws can be catastrophic. Legal Heat is one of the nation's largest concealed carry training companies. If you're looking to obtain your carry permit for the first time, take a gun law refresher course or take a handgun 101 course, visit LegalHeat.com. They operate in every major city in the United States and will have a number of classes near you. Use promo code AAR to save on a class today. That's LegalHeat.com, promo code AAR. Protecting loved ones and neighbors is a high calling. Over the last few years, men and women of all walks of life have chosen to exercise their Second Amendment right as first-time gun owners. Through education and training, families and communities are empowered to protect themselves and those around them. Daniel Defense advocates for the individual's right to bear arms, which is why they manufacture 100% American-made, high-quality firearms backed with a lifetime warranty. To learn more, visit DanielDefense.com. on KQAM, Wichita's Big Talker, and you're tuned into the Armed American Radio Network. Now let's get back to the man himself, Mark Walters. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast continues. Happy New Year. This is the it's the first show of 2023, and I, I guess we're blessed to be able to bring you the first show of 2023 on the first day of 2023. A little bit of coincidence there. Please, 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 as you sit here with me in the Car Firearms Group studios on the Sig Sauer microphone, all of this is being brought to you by X insurance. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you watch the show, you can thank Daniel Defense. You can also thank Lead Slingers Whiskey. And please visit our partners at armedamericanradio.com. All of them. We'll be talking with Mr. Clayton Llewellyn on Armed American Radio's Daily Defense later in the week about some of his products as well. There's a lot of prediction of food shortages, etc. And Heaven's Harvest has you covered. You can find all of our partners at armedamericanradio.com. Let's get back to Mr. Gottlieb. Alan, I, I enjoy these conversations with you immensely. Because we, you and I have done a, a lot of radio together, and it's fun to hear you kind of read my mind a little bit. I was chuckling during the break about that. As we push forward here, we're going to go into what we think is going to happen in 2023. But I have to throw this question out. I wrestled with this. I told my listeners on Armed American Radio's Daily Defense last week that I could argue that while Bruin is obviously the most significant story, that the left has thrown us an even bigger story by virtue of their reaction, we have seen Governor Hockle in New York go insane. We have seen Murphy in New Jersey go insane. We have seen, and these are the three biggest players, others as well, but Newsom in California go absolutely bonkers, berserk over this decision. And their reaction is astonishing and almost, to me, a bigger story then Bruin itself, take me down a peg. I, I, it's crazy what we're seeing from these people. Well, you're right, but I don't think it's necessarily a bigger story than the Bruin decision itself. Uh, I think it may become the biggest story of 2023 as, as some of these cases come down with more decisions uh, from the courts and, 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 and feed the feeder ladder up getting another case to the United States Supreme Court. I think it's maybe the prelude to the biggest story for next year. Uh, or this new coming year here that we're, you know, basically, you know, just in. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of important. You know, I would have expected, Mark, 
to see that some of the states that had their laws basically you know, thrown out under Bruin to come back and pass new laws that would be slightly less restrictive than the ones they had to try to, quote-unquote, challenge as much to Bruin as they could and get away with. But no, they didn't do that. <laughs> they actually passed laws that were stricter than the ones that were thrown out in New York. You know, so as an example, the New York state law that they just passed that were challenging in court I mean, I find this amazing because while it was tough to get a permit, very few people got them. If you had a permit, you could have the gun outside your home to defend yourself. But now they've made it next to impossible to find a place where that permit is valid. So, okay, we'll give you a piece of paper. You just can't use it anywhere. And not only that, but you had, as you mentioned at the opening of the show, you have a permit in New York to even have a gun in your own home or place of business, even if you weren't carrying it outside. Well, now defining places, sensitive places that you can't bring your gun and making it the hardcore of, of, of New York City, as an example, the whole Times Square area without defining what the Times Square area even is. We've now had you know people, uh, you know, businessmen in New York City and Manhattan who had permits to have a gun in their a premises permit in their place of business, like a jewelry store to protect their, you know, their assets. Now being told by New York City under the new law, you have to give up your permit and get the gun out of here because you can't even have it anymore, even in your place of business, which is significantly, or you know, I guess it would also apply to your home if you had a, an apartment or a condo in, in, in midtown Manhattan. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, and, and so so now people who had had been able to have a gun in their business or their home are now being told that you can't even have that there now which is significantly more restrictive and goes right to the extreme of the core right itself, even under the two-part test that, that got thrown out uh, by the Supreme Court. And so I'm, I'm sitting here with my mouth hanging open. <laughs> How can New York be so stupid? You've just told the Supreme Court, okay, smack us again. And, and so when we're looking at these new cases coming down, you referenced to getting into the case of the Supreme Court, what would it be, so to speak? It's going to be really tough to see what the next cornerstone is going to be because it could be, you know, going back to knocking out New York, New Jersey's, California's, you know, uh, you know, you know, other other places, new laws that they've passed post Bruin that are, are significantly more unconstitutional than the ones that got thrown out to start with. But then again, you're looking at things like assault, so-called assault, you know, bans, semi-automatic firearms. Uh, magazine, magazine capacity bans. Uh, we thought those would for sure would be the next ones mm-hmm. coming up the ladder, but now the Supreme Court might go back just to smack New York again, uh, or they may take more than one case. It may take two or three, you know, and we've got like you know, at the time of the founding of our country in 1791, there was no laws that said 18 to 20 year olds couldn't own a firearm, um, you know, or purchase one. Uh, and so we've got a significant number of those cases coming up the ladder as well, too. Supreme Court might just want to take one of those first. So now it's difficult to, to, to predict what case or cases the court's going to take first. What the other side has done is set up a whole cafeteria approach for the court to take cases now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I hear your frustration, and I echo that frustration. I know my listeners do as well. When we look at it as that cornerstone, obviously we need that fourth corner in the base there to continue building on. And I, I'm going to make a guess here, and I could be, I could be way off, we know f- from history, recent history, going back to 08 and prior to 08, that was the first time the Second Amendment, the, the Second Amendment was a subject of a Supreme Court ruling in decades since the 1930s was Heller. And they, we, we had cases seeking cert before the court between Heller and McDonald, which was 2010, didn't we? And, and we never got cert granted on those cases. Am I, am I right on my assessment there? 
Well, they were sort of more minor type cases, uh, and uh, most of them probably dealt with people who had to break a law or broke a law and then were being prosecuted for it. And the court, in many cases, didn't want to criminalize or look at a criminal case uh, when it came to, to defining second amendment rights to start with. And so that was part of the problem. And then you also had the big problem, again, that without 14th Amendment incorporation of the Second Amendment, which we won to McDonald, that you couldn't challenge many of these laws right. in federal court. And so uh, you challenged them in state courts and hoped from the state courts that somehow the state Supreme Court didn't you know, pick it up and rule on it. And then that gave you an avenue to get to the U.S. Supreme Court to appeal a case uh, out of a state. But it, it made it very, very difficult. And, and so the court was really looking, I think, uh, or, or at least judges like Scalia uh, and, you know, and Thomas were looking at cases that would be more of a slam dunk where they could write the, the first cornerstone opinion that would be really heavy, binding, strict, and make some sense uh, and, 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 and be able to have impact. And so they, for a lot of the earlier cases, they just didn't feel I think would have the, and this is me speculating, they wouldn't have the impact that the Heller case would have had. And they were waiting, biding their time. And luckily, it, it, you know, Alan Gore, who was an attorney for the Second Amendment Foundation who filed that case, wasn't a foundation case, uh, but our attorney was very you know, engaged in it. And we filed a very important amicus brief in that case turned out to be the landmark cornerstone. You know, it's, it's here, let me throw this out because this is going to be my prediction. I, if the left had just, if they would just respect the institution, the Supreme Court and its decisions, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in right now and even having this part of the discussion because I would have guessed that the next case would likely have been the Fourth Circuit assault weapons ban case, which is something we would we expect. The, and we have a strong case there, but that's not that's going to be overshadowed now by I think. And this is my prediction. They're going to have to take the case or a case smacking down Jersey, smacking down Hockle. Uh, likely it's going to be New York because of the, the Bruin uh, decision in New York itself or California, but they're going to have to do that first, Alan, and we've got just about 30 seconds. Go ahead. You're probably right, but it, it's hard to say. They may, the court may look at a gun ban being a more important case than the sensitive places. It's hard to say, Mark. Yeah, it is. It's impossible to, we, it's impossible, ladies and gentlemen, we've learned over many, many years, it's impossible to second guess what the court is going to do really in any decision. There was concern on our side when Bruin was being uh, argued how Roberts was going to vote, et cetera, even though he had voted with us, I say us as gun rights activists, in both Heller and McDonald, et cetera. When we come back with Mr. Gottlieb in the final segment, we'll wrap this up. I, I do want to talk about that assault weapon ban case in, uh, in Maryland in the Fourth Circuit. But then I want to touch on what we think is going to happen in 2023 going forward. And I think you got a little taste of that. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast continues. We'll be back with Mr. Gottlieb right after this. Happy New Year. Protecting loved ones and neighbors is a high calling. Over the last few years, men and women of all walks of life have chosen to exercise their Second Amendment right as first-time gun owners. Through education and training, families and communities are empowered to protect themselves and those around them. Daniel Defense advocates for the individual's right to bear arms, which is why they manufacture 100% American-made, high-quality firearms backed with a lifetime warranty. To learn more, visit DanielDefense.com. As a gun owner, have you ever thought about the liability that would come with having to use your weapon in self-defense? Or the liability that would come with having one of your guns stolen or misused? Or perhaps you work in a profession like security or law enforcement that requires you to carry a gun. 
Regardless, it's well known that responsible gun owners and security professionals across the country have become targets of frivolous lawsuits. At X-Insurance, we provide custom firearm liability insurance to eliminate your exposure and to protect you from unscrupulous lawyers. And if lawsuits do arise, we aggressively fight them. We're the very best at what we do, and we've been doing it for more than 40 years. We offer same-day quotes and solutions, so call us today or have your insurance agent call us, and we can work with them to fill any gaps in your existing policy. But call today, and let's get that target off your back. For more information, visit xinsurance.com. That's xinsurance.com. If you or someone you care about has been thinking about getting their permit to carry a firearm, there's never been a better time than now. Even if you've had your permit to carry for years, keep in mind that gun laws change regularly and not knowing the current laws can be catastrophic. Legal Heat is one of the nation's largest concealed carry training companies. If you're looking to obtain your carry permit for the first time, take a gun law refresher course or take a handgun 101 course, visit LegalHeat.com. They operate in every major city in the United States and will have a number of classes near you. Use promo code AAR to save on a class today. That's LegalHeat.com. Promo code AAR. Sig Sauer, the largest and most comprehensive firearm manufacturer in the world, also feeds your firearms. Sig Sauer manufactures the ultimate self-defense round, delivering exceptional on-target energy, maximum weight retention, and optimal expansion at all effective distances. Sig Sauer Elite Defense Ammunition is available in all popular calibers and features V-Crown jacketed hollow point projectiles for maximum expansion and weight retention. It's the ultimate defensive ammunition. For more information, visit SigSauer.com today. America was founded through the blood of hard-fighting, hard-drinking men. Men who believed in freedom and whiskey. Who laid down their lives and their fortunes forging the bedrock of this republic and in doing so created a new species of man, the American. Lead Slinger's Whiskey was founded by seven combat veterans who were tired of people afraid to support the Second Amendment. Together, they brought their love of American bourbon whiskey to freedom-loving, like-minded Americans. For more information and to read the story of Lead Slinger's Whiskeys and Rum, visit LeadSlingersWhiskey.com today. At Armed American Radio, we depend on our partners to bring you this broadcast every day. And that's why we've partnered with Fort Worth Armory. Fort Worth Armory searches the world to bring you high-quality, dependable ammo at extremely competitive prices. Proudly partnering with quality importers and manufacturers from friendly nations to bring you reliable ammunition, Fort Worth Armory not only fills your ammo needs, they also help fill your prescription for freedom. Please support the businesses that support Armed American Radio. Visit FortWorthArmory.com today. Car, the 25th anniversary K9 and the venerable P9 in various configurations. Magnum Research, the classic Desert Eagle available in 50, 44, 357, and the new 429 DE calibers. The BFR, biggest, finest revolvers, and the Magnum Light. Auto Ordnance, the classics, Thompson, that's right, the Tommy Gun, the incredible M1 carbine, and the one and only classic 1911. Car Firearms, a family of brands standing for your family's freedom. Mike Gallagher wanting to let you know that the crew of the Desperado Sport Fish in Virginia Beach, Virginia, supports Armed American Radio and the Second Amendment, and I'm right there with them. Now back to Mark Walters. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast continues the fourth and final segment on New Year's Day. Let me start by saying Happy New Year's. It's great to be with you on New Year's Day today, talking with Mr. Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation, in a fascinating conversation. In the next hour, I'm going to replay my one-hour discussion with Mr. 
Mr. Gottlieb that occurred three days after the Bruin decision. And we'll juxtapose this hour to that hour. It will be fun to listen to. And just to throw this out for for transparency, I haven't gone back and listened to it. I know it's there. I played a little bit of it. Alan's there for all four segments, but I'm going to listen to it with you. And we're going to make some comparisons. Mr. Gottlieb, welcome back, my friend. Always a pleasure. Great three segments. Thank you for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mark. It's great to be with you and your listeners. And it's going to be interesting because obviously I haven't listened to that segment you're going to play uh, next uh, since we did it in, in June. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to be interesting to see what my comments and predictions predictions were. Uh, and, and I don't think I really predicted that the other side would go Looney Tunes and pass laws that were more stricter than the ones were, that were challenging now. I can safely say that's highly likely. I, I, not, none of us expected them to go, as you just said, Looney Tunes or bat blank crazy, and they literally did. Okay, because, as you know, time flies so fast, and I want to get as much here as we can into 2023, that Fourth Circuit assault weapons ban case, which likely would have been that fourth case, I believe that cornerstone to use that phrase that we've been using is likely in my estimation. And I could be wrong. It, I think they're going to have to go back and address some of these other issues. But having said that, let's assume maybe they do take that case because eventually they're going to have to. And as, as Mr. Gottlieb just mentioned, listeners, they might take more than one this time. Uh, that too could be highly likely based on the reaction to the left to the Bruin decision. I don't think Thomas is in any mood to play games with these people. And I don't think he likes his decision. Uh, and I don't think the majority likes their decision being toyed with either. So I think we're going to see some activity on the Second Amendment over the course of 23. Alan, that Fourth Circuit assault weapon ban case is a beauty. Tell us what your what your thoughts on that as we move into 2023. Great. I'm glad you raised that. But I, I want to back it up just a hair because this is the Maryland assault weapon ban from the Fourth Circuit that we actually had filed and argued all the way through the appeals court and, and, and petitioned the Supreme Court for a, with a cert petition to hear the case when they decided to take Bruin. And the court held our case uh, along with a few other ones uh, while they were going through the oral arguments and the decision for Bruin. And when they came out the Bruin decision, subsequently right thereafter, our Fourth Circuit Solvent Bank case in Maryland got the court reversed and remanded it back down to the to the trial court in uh, Maryland uh, to rehear based on the, what they said in the Bruin decision, which basically meant that the Supreme Court was hoping that the lower court, uh, you know, lower courts would say now because the Bruin, quote unquote, um, you know, the, the Solon ban is dead and they wouldn't have to, they wouldn't have to hear the case, which is one good because the law would be gone, but too bad because it wouldn't be the law of the land because the Supreme Court didn't rule on it. Right. So what happened was is that we were clever and smart. When we went back down to the lower court level, we basically told the lower courts that, you know, uh, you know your decision uh, saying that the law was constitutional, uh, we understand, and we don't want to re-argue it directly. We just want to appeal it up to the next level so that eventually it gets to the Supreme Court. The court was more than happy to, to kick it up to the appeals court. The appeals court then sort of like, you know, re-had it briefed and re-heard it at the appeals court level. Uh, and we agreed again, you're sort of bound by the previous, you know, uh, decisions, uh, and we want to get this to the Supreme Court. And so now we've got that moving up to the U.S. Supreme Court. So they can, the Supreme Court can then make a national decision on it. Uh, and so my hope is, is that because of that, and the court's very familiar with the case since they already had it before them and reversed and remanded down to the lower level, uh, that quote unquote, they will now take it up and, and, and deal with it. 
So that's why I feel pretty good about that case. And I felt great about that case until New York, New Jersey, California, all have gone, you know, <laughs> loony, as they said, looney tunes. <laughs> and, and now basically said to the Supreme Court, we're going to slap you in the face and we're, you know, passing something more restrictive than you declared unconstitutional, which means the court's sort of almost forced to act on that. Uh, and so, again, uh, it's hard to say what case they'll take. My guess is they might take more than one and, and, and have, you know, all arguments together on them and, and try and, and resolve this issue a whole lot quicker rather than dragging out forever. Because, again, Mark, when these cases get to the Supreme Court uh, for cert, that's going to be this coming, this, this new year in 2023, uh, they probably wouldn't be able to have, you know, oral arguments on those till late in the year in 2023 and we may not get a decision until you know, mid-year in June of 2024. Yeah, it's, it's I guess it's I'm going to go out on a limb here again and say because of the actions of the left, it could very well wind up being another banner year or two years. Yeah. Let me, if I can, just jump in and say, when you, you talk about, you know, that a lot of this is dependent on what the left goes and does, so to speak, in setting up these cases. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, or lucky than smart, because, for example, with the, with the uh, Haller decision, if Washington, D.C. didn't appeal that to the Supreme Court, we never would have had a ruling that, that nationally that there's an individual right to keep and bear arms that a gun ban violates. And if we didn't get that, we then could not have had the McDonald's decision to incorporate through the 14th Amendment to be able to bring all these other suits as well. So, again, a lot of this depends on the stupidity, I guess, or luck we have that our opponents are so... Looney Tunes that they they don't they, they just, the, the, the logic flies out and it's just they, they just don't comply and because they don't comply and, and and they make mistakes in the courts it allows us to advance the football down the field so again it's like a football game the team that fumbles the least usually wins you know it's interesting that you point out it's better to to have some luck sometimes than to be smart and I, as you were talking I'm thinking of that in terms of that Fourth Circuit assault weapons ban case, I don't believe the left is smart enough to have gotten together and said, hey, let's throw these monkey wrenches in here to stop that assault weapons ban case or maybe force them to take another case because we think we're going to lose that assault weapons ban case and we're the ones calling for banning assault weapons. Let's delay it. I don't think they're smart enough to do that. I could be wrong. But at the same time, this does point to what could be a very banner year for us in court victories, particularly with the amount of cases that you're now talking about moving forward in 2023, it's it's just a plethora of cases because of Bruin, right? Yeah, well, that's why Bruin was the biggest story for 2022 and for gun rights. And I think for gun rights, the biggest story for 2023 is going to be uh, you know, our victories and probably for 2024 as well. This battle has really shifted to, from the legislatures and Congress to the courts. Because of the actions of the states, and uh, let me put this just very succinctly, because of the actions of blue state governors and blue state legislatures, the, the dividing line is as clear as day to me, Mr. Gottlieb. It's This is where the separation is. So suffice to say, gun rights and our gun rights are going to play a major role yet again moving into 2024. Because of these cases, does that embolden the left to continue to push more gun control they might not have? We've got just about uh, one minute. I figure somewhere down the line, Mark, they're going to smarten up and realize they have big problems. 
and they're not going to try and push the envelope for more gun bans, et cetera. Uh, but there's all kinds of ways, bureaucratically and other, that they can still infringe on gun rights. And believe me, they're, they're very creative, and they'll find more and more ways to try and do that and, of course, more and more legal challenges. And, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly. We're seeing that in local town councils. We're seeing mayors make decisions on our Second Amendment rights across the country in villages and cities and towns. So it's not just at the federal level. It's, it, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I think it's safe to say that this battle, because of the left's decisions to do what they're doing post-Bruin, Alan, is forcing us into court at the state level, which is what they've been wanting to do all along, correct? Just about 15 seconds. Well, yeah, and of course, now they're going up far afield, uh, attacking First Amendment rights, defend your Second Amendment, you know, with advertising and other, other things. That's a problem we face. So it's an expansion of how they attack gun owners. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast will be here with a repeat of April, tw- or excuse me, of June 26th, where we had a conversation with Mr. Gottlieb three days after the Bruin decision. We'll see you on the radio at six minutes after. You've just filled your prescription for freedom with Mark Walters, presented by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. On the Armed American Radio Network. the Bill of Rights, not the Bill of Needs. I'm Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. When someone says we don't need that kind of gun, remind them the Founding Fathers determined what rights our Constitution should protect. There's a world of difference between rights and needs. It is not the function of government to tell us what we need or what we don't. Certainly no one needs an assault rifle or a Saturday Night Special, or for that matter, no one needs a Corvette with a high-capacity horsepower engine capable of speeds to 150 miles per hour. But in the hands of honest, responsible individuals, we have the right of choice. We have the right to read books others don't like. We have the right to listen to any radio program we choose. We have the right to dress the way we want to. We also have the right to own firearms of our choice. So the next time someone tells you, you don't need something, tell them. It's the Bill of Rights, not the Bill of Needs. Join the Second Amendment Foundation today so this message and our Bill of Rights might live. Call 425-454-7012. That's 425-454. 454-7012. Hello, I'm Mike Vindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Slippers. They took me over two years to develop because I didn't want just an ordinary slipper. My slippers are meant to be worn all day long, no matter what you're doing, whether you're inside or outside. My slippers come with an exclusive three-tier cushioning system that you won't find in any other slipper. It combines two layers of foam, including my proprietary my pillow foam, and a patented impact shell made from U.S. soybeans. My three-tier cushioning system is going to help relieve pressure points, provide that micro support you need for all day comfort and help prevent fatigue. Not only that, my slippers are made with high quality leather and a premium indoor outdoor sole that make them extremely durable. I personally guarantee they're going to be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. Hey, it's Mark and you know Mike supports the right to keep and bear arms and we support Mike. Please visit MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials box and use promo code AAR for all of Mike's great discounts or call 800-978-9358 and remember use promo code AAR. 